how and to adopt should also go for therapy before adopting the child to make sure that there is, they've got no baggage that they're bringing that can impact the child. So anybody who's raising a child can bring their own trauma into that child. So for me, that's when I ask parents to check themselves that there is nothing in their history that's going to be later on down the line that might impact that child. Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For anyone who is new on our platform, this is a space that allows myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of an immigrant status. We unlike the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe, like, share, and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. On today's episode, oh my God, this is an interesting one. I'm truly, truly curious and I'm constantly learning. I'm really a student of life. And I met our guest through our girl, Michelle Gardner. She spoke highly of our uh, our guest today. And um, I got very curious. She owns her own podcast, which is Black Adoptees Identities. It's an interesting podcast. There's so much to learn. It's an eye-opening podcast. I encourage each and every one of you to take a listen. It's really informative. Without further ado, her name is Crystal Palakur. She is a certified coach who helps adoptees in, to navigate their stories so they can find their own authentic voices and identities. Crystal is also a facilitator, consultant, and multidisciplinary artist and podcast host, like I said, for Black adoptees' identities. Crystal's professional background includes working in the educational sector for over 15 years, undertaking program project management roles with an international focus and working for 10 years in the fashion industry. She also has led a non-profit organization called a community theater company. I'm super honored and excited. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you for joining. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my God. How's your day going? I, uh, we have a six-hour time difference, right? You are in Portugal now. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, my day, no, it's been good. Uh, I'm glad. I was in the UK last week and I'm back in Portugal now. Oh. So at least I'm back in the sunshine. <laughs> oh my God. Is it warm all year round or how is the weather? It's, it's, it's not warm all year round, but it doesn't get that cold. You know, you go down to nine degrees in the winter, maybe. And uh, but yeah, wow. that's, that's quite mild compared to the UK. <laughs> Some of us, we, are, we we know we, we are jealous because you know, in New York it's winter time now. Today is actually not that bad. It's like fifty-four. Today is right. going to be so it's not that bad Fahrenheit. But um, we love to get to know our guests. Today we're talking about navigating adoption, and for you, you are here to share your own story. I want to start from uh, Madagascar. You're our first guest from Madagascar, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I 
I can see in your background, there's the map of Africa and you've got Madagascar sticking out on the side. Yeah, <laughs> representation, okay. Yes. <laughs> so how was it growing up in Madagascar? I know you left um, at 10 years old, but do you have any memories of during that time? Yes, I, I mean, yeah, 10 years old, you have plenty of memories. Um, and I mean, my, my fondest memories is, you know, playing on the beach, um, running around, dancing with the other children in the street, um, all on fire. And, yeah, it's um, it's it's fond memories and uh, joyful memories. And Madagascar is is quite um, poor country compared to the rest of Africa. So mm-hmm. in terms of infrastructure, it's quite basic. And also in terms of uh, the standard of living is um, is very basic. But at the same time, you know, it's it didn't stop me from being having that joyful um, you know childhood there oh no beautiful beautiful so what I guess activated you being adopted so my my mother my birth mother was uh, unwell around the time I was probably six seven years old so she was back and forth to hospital and the last time she went back to hospital she left me with uh, the Catholic missionary that was set up in the village and it turned out that she never came back because she passed away in hospital the last time that she went. Thank you. And then from there, I don't know who made the decision that I should be adopted because, you know, to to this day, it's still not very clear to me what happened because I still had family living in the village. Mm. I had my grandparents living in another different village. I've had uncles. And so I don't know who made the exact decision. But from the Catholic missionary, I was put into an orphanage. Mm -hmm. And from the orphanage, I was um, adopted in France uh, by a French couple. Got it. So uh, this is a new term I learned from listening to your podcast transracial adoption yes um so yeah i I was like wow i didn't know there was even a term like that so with transracial adoption how how have you i guess growing up in that um space with your parents they were white yes so that's that's why the terms come from because i just want to confirm (laughs) (laughs) it's all so the transracial generally when you are a transracial adoptee that means that you you are adopted into a different race from where you come from so i was adopted into a white family okay how was that growing up like um, I can't imagine coming from, you know, Madagascar and then at 10 years old, you are fully, I think you are aware, I would say, mm-hmm. and going to a white family. Um, were you the only child? No, my my adoptive parents already had two biological children. Okay. And my mother was also foster parents. So there's a lot of children around the house. So it was, um, you know, two, my, my siblings, so the two they had, and then there was probably about four or five other children from the foster care system. Um, but I was the only one when I arrived I was the only one who was black Um, so my whole surrounding was into this white community and white family um, so that's that's a bit difficult in itself. In terms, I mean, it's it's all, it's already the culture shock because between Madagascar and France, mm-hmm. there is a huge culture difference. But when he also never lived with a white family before, it's it's quite difficult to to integrate in a way. And also, 
I think in my case, and I think it happens with a lot of adoption, you know, families are not always prepared in terms of culture to welcome this child from a different culture. Yeah. So for me, that was really difficult because I had to integrate into this new culture and into this new family. And But already when I was in the orphanage, I was already pre- being prepared to be adopted. So I was already asked to not speak my own language when I was at the orphanage. So by the time I was arrived in France, I've already forgotten my own language. So I I didn't speak French properly, but I didn't speak my own language anymore. So it's, I think it's kind of a mental block that I had because it was the whole transfer was so traumatic that your brain shut down. So my whole, yeah, I couldn't even speak. But I, I had nobody else to speak it with anyway. <laughs> nobody would understand my own language because there was nobody um, from Madagascar around me to be able to practice. So over the years, I completely forgotten that language. And, you know, it, we also go through, I had my own name changed. So Crystal was in my birth name. So you get to, to bring back a new name. And it, again, it's a very common practice in where family change the name of their children when they adopt it, uh, especially so if you're coming... Yes. Absolutely. What is happening? You're thinking. <laughs> my brain is going overboard right now. Yes. <laughs> I thought this is your podcast or something, but this is something else wait mm. so from from they from your country they ask you not to speak your language what language you guys speak Malagasy. Malagasy. so they mm. tell you to stop so what language are you speaking while you are there french so, I, so I they are teaching you how to speak french, french. Mm, also yes. they were prepping you for a french family yes Oh my God. And then what was the reason for changing your name for your parents? Did they ever share with you? It's it's a very common. I mean, I don't understand why adoption agency always advise parents to change the child's name. Um, it's the best for reason. I mean, my parents, my original name was Rosette. And at the time in France, there was um, like a brand of sausage that was called Rosette. So my parents thought, oh, we, we need to change it because you're going to be teased at school by the other children. But I also know that, um, you know, I had then a younger sister that was adopted into the family as well. And our name was changed as well. And there was nothing wrong or associated to something that was negative uh, with our name. And our name was changed as well. So it's, yeah, it's a very, and I, I know this is one of the, from doing my podcast and speaking with other adoptees, it's very common. You know, a lot of adoptees have had the name change. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, adoption is a start with a loss because you lost your family. The reason you are adopted mm-hmm. is because you've already lost your own family. Then you lose your own culture. And I'm talking specifically for international adoption. Yeah. And then you have to lose your name. So your whole identity is thrown out right from the beginning. So that's why adoption, adoption, adoptive family always see it as a very positive saving a child and bringing into you know a better world in the West. But there is a lot of 
difficulty associated with just transition into a new culture and to a new family because your whole identity is being stripped out. You have to learn to adopt another identity. And very often it's imposed on you. You don't really have a choice. You know, I didn't have a choice about changing my name. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a choice about not continuing to speak my own language anymore. I didn't have a choice about not continuing to embrace my own culture. So everything is continuing for the loss. And that's also, you know, continuing your adult life because those things have impacted you so much as a child that when you grow up, uh, I mean, a lot of us adoptee suffer from issues around abandonment, rejection, uh, separation, attachments. And yeah, it's very difficult then to grow up if you didn't have received the right support throughout your life to, to be able to get into a healthy state of being and have a healthy identity because you don't know you are also stuck between two countries. So you you are in, you know, you're trying to be a black person growing up in a white family. Mm. So you are you are stuck. You don't know if you're black, if you're white, so which way you are white in a black body, but you are behaving like a white person almost because you are embedded in that culture. Everything you do is thinking like a white person. And then when you are thrown out into the big world and you meet other black people, you realize that you're not that black after all because you can't recognize how the black people behave or their own culture because you've been so um, immersed, you know, immersed into that whiteness. So it's, it's a very difficult place to be. And most of us as adopters, we don't have the choice because we've been put into that situation. And I would say, you know, adoption is very nuanced because everybody obviously live it in a different way. Yeah. But there is a lot of commonality and, uh, and part of my podcast is around identity because I know a lot of us uh, suffer from identity issues as we grow up, especially in our teenage year where we're trying to understand who we are. We are completely in confusion and lost and create, you know, a lot of us also have mental issues because that confusion creates so much instability and people then don't have a healthy uh, state of mind. So it's, 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 it's not an easy, you know, you have to, to really pull yourself together to, to navigate that, that world. You know, it's uh, I, I love storytelling and that's why I love what we do as podcasters uh, for anybody in, in media where we you bring people's stories. And this is far from what I would be listening to because it's, I, I guess, like you are saying, like your parents uh, provided home or for what you've shared also on your podcast, like a savior mentality or they take care of this child and um, you guys should be grateful. So a lot of people don't really think of what happens to that child during mm-hmm. that transition, that during that integration with the new parent. So I'm really thankful for you to bring this your, your platform on for us to all be informed as to what you you do and what you go through. The stories that are there are eye-opening, eye-opening. What have you, before I even ask this question, did you ever sit down with your, your parents to ask them what they were going through? Because now that you are doing the podcast, so the other way around, it, when they took in all of the children, aside from you as well, all of the children, what 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 are they going through as well in there? Because there's also both sides. Yes, there is both sides, but I think 
I don't know. We've never, I mean, we've talked bits and pieces about my adoption, okay. but we've never had a full sit down conversation where, like, for an hour, we go really deep into it. And mostly because a lot of time, for a long time, I was very hurt from the situation. So it was very triggering for me. But also, so you've had resentment, I would say. I wouldn't say resentment, but misunderstanding more. I just didn't understand why they wouldn't, for example, teach me about African culture. But I know from conversation with them that they didn't know any better, you know. In their mind, it is about support, providing help, getting me into a better education, a better home, and providing love. But I think my argument has always been, it's not always enough because on the other side is there's all the emotional state that is very difficult to also navigate. I think the other side of it is probably I've never really sat down so much with them is because as adoptee we get into that state of guilt because there is you've been adopted we should be grateful because you got a better life but on the other scale like I say it's it's also a very difficult journey so we don't want to be seeing as ungrateful by complaining that our life has not been better than they expected us to be and because you know they provided you know without to be fair without the adoption I don't know where I would be I don't know if I would be I would not have had the education I had that's for sure yeah because in you know in Madagascar I wasn't even going to school every day so I didn't have this opportunity so there's a lot of doors that opened for me for the adoption and I probably would not I don't know if I would have come to Europe even you know it's there's there's so much that I don't know where um, I would have been so there is that that thankful I am thankful for the things that my parents have provided me so I think that is a part that a lot of us find difficult to really challenge the situation because People always say you should be grateful. So we and as adopters very often we shrink ourselves to be comfortable for other people because we don't want to rock the boat. So by saying, Oh, my adoption wasn't so good, you didn't take care of me, mm-hmm. it's kind of saying I'm not grateful because but from my perspective, we can be grateful, but also I've, I had suf- uh, suffered through the process. It's not one or the other, you know, it's it's both of those situations. I am grateful, but it hasn't been easy journey. So I think that's the part that I don't think my parents are ready to, to meet me in the middle and yeah. to understand that I am grateful, but it's been difficult. And I don't know if you will get there because you know, again, as a, I was raised in a state where you don't really uh, challenge your elders. Yeah. So that is also a very difficult situation um, in terms of I think how do you, friends, we have yes. <laughs> So how do you challenge that? Is um, and it's interesting because I've I've told my parents I've done I'm doing this podcast and I'm also writing um like a a section of Michelle's book. Yeah. And yes. and I've told my mother this yesterday and I could feel in her that I was that concern and she was asking in which language are you writing this book? And I, I felt that, or oh, maybe she is concerned that I will be speaking up about how I've, I really felt um, yeah. because we've never had that conversation. Oh my god! Um, but I mean, even with uh, our biological parents, no one does it right completely, and there's 
been a lot. Um, your feelings are valid. I think as all parents, now I'm a parent, all of our, I guess as children, our feelings are valid as we grow up because our parents are not going to do it correctly or perfectly the way that we would have liked. So um, that battle, that feeling is not only for you guys, it's also for all of us too. Even with our biological parents, it's kind of similar to that. And growing up for a lot of homes in Africa, not everybody, uh, you are taught not to question things. So <laughs> we grow up with that. And I can't tell you how much that was a challenge for me living here in America because you, you keep your culture and it doesn't work to where you migrate to. It does not work. So how have you been able to navigate through those challenges of identity and um, getting to where you are today? For me, it's, I went back to Madagascar in 2010. And I oh, think wow. that was a very pivotal moment for me because meeting back with my siblings, my brother, um, my uncles, and, and also finding out from my uncle that he didn't even know I was adopted. And that's why I said, I don't know who made the decision. So it's it was a very emotional and in a way I wasn't really prepared for going back. Mm. But at the same time, I realized that so the part of me that I've always felt that was missing with me felt like it, it was that connection with my birth family and my own culture. So when I came back from uh, Madagascar, that's when I was very much um, committed to learn about African history, connected with Black community that were around me, uh, watching films that, you know, African films. And so I was very uh, engaged in that for quite a long time. And then I ended up doing a lot of work with community, Black community from the Caribbean, from Africa, in the city I was living. I did a whole exhibition around African queens. Yeah. Uh, I worked with the woman and we did a short film around African queens as well. So for quite a long time, I really emerged in that culture. And that really helped me to realize, to embrace my Blackness and to reconnect with Madagascar and with the people there. So I think that's kind of saved me to be to be more stable in myself and really embracing and also accepting that you know this is a situation it happened I cannot change it mm -hmm. but where do I want to go from there uh, do I still want to be stuck in that story or do I want to move on and look for another way of being and identify myself and I decided that from that moment that is when I wanted to, to embrace myself as a black woman and you know, before even before that, I was always straightening my hair, and after that, I was just plaiting my hair and or having it natural. But I, I kind of embraced slowly what it was meant to be a black woman, and and I was not afraid anymore to hang around the black community because before I didn't know how I felt so uh, alien to be around black people because I didn't know how to behave. Uh, so imagining myself into that community has also been really important because it gives you some representation for at least for once I could see people look like me and I could understand a bit better how to connect with those people so that has been really useful for me Are you still connected with your family back home? I am we're not that close but I am planning to go back in 2025 so I'm looking forward to that I am very much in contact with my niece my, my brother passed away last year so that was also another 
moments that I felt like, you know, life is so fragile. You don't know when people are going to go. So yeah. that's made me really want to reconnect. So that's why. And I've got a daughter as well. I think that also was an important moment because when my daughter was born, I realized that she was the first person that I could relate to in my blood uh, line because everybody else around me was in my family was white and I didn't want her to go through the same situation as me so for me it was really important that I reconnect with my blackness so she could also uh, learn about her blackness and be able to navigate that space uh, on our own town and I will be taking her because she's never been so we'll be going together in 2025 oh that's gonna be an experience how old is she yes 25 Oh, she's 25? Yes. Oh my God, that's going to be yeah. a, a lot of memories. Yeah. I recently just took my kids uh, in May and uh, part of our biggest highlight this year, um, like I, I was telling you before we started, tomorrow is Thanksgiving for us. So um, I was going through all of the things that have transpired throughout the year. And I asked my daughter to, to see what was her highlight. And she was like, the trip. To wow, Zambia. amazing. That was the highlight. She's nine now, 10 in October and um, it was really great like to remember that for the rest of her life I can't wait also to go back just to continue uh, having those experiences with my family because I only have them yeah it's so important yes it's so important <laughs> yeah <laughs> my son is four so I didn't even bother to ask him <laughs> I'm sure you will remember <laughs> He's for, he only remembers about the plane that like he wants to go on the plane and to Africa that's it <laughs> it's something it's something yes okay. oh. oh my god he will be grateful for the he will be grateful when he's older that you've taken him oh for sure age. for sure <laughs> no I something that I'm um, I'm going to commit to which I committed to my daughter I said I'm going to try to make sure that we come every year if possible even twice a year so we can stay connected um, mm. it was great they were meeting my mom for the first time wow yes oh, that's amazing yeah, so I can't imagine your daughter. Oh my God, you guys are gonna have a ball, and you know how we are back home. So much love. <laughs> I know, and and the interesting thing is, my niece is the same age as my daughter, and they they were oh. born in the same month as well. So nice. I've never, I've never met. So yeah, that's oh, I've they've seen each other in pictures, but they've never met um, physically. So yeah, I'm looking oh, forward God. to that. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be really beautiful. That's I, I'm I'm happy for you guys to do that. Thank you. Um. So on uh, other note, you, you I was gonna ask you if you go to Madagascar, but you have visited. What do you feel? How do you feel about the business side? of adoption being that uh, in some cases the people the parents that are adopting have to pay for the babies or the child how do you feel about that yeah the business side of adoption is uh, it's not always great um, and I always cringe when I hear sometimes some of the children or um, now adults know find out how much their family would have paid to get them and that is quite something at least in my case I don't know and I don't want to know uh, because having a price tag against you is, is a, again it's a very difficult thing for your own identity to know that you've been bought um, so that's a very difficult but for me it's also the fact that there's money exchanging hands and not knowing where this money is going 
story. I know that in America, people pay, sometimes people pay up to $30,000 to get, mm-hmm. to, to adopt. And yeah. for me, that's, I don't know, for me, that's very difficult to swallow because I feel like, for example, in my case, you know, I had family still there. And you invest that money and give it to the family being there to look after that child. For me, that is a better option so the child can stay with the family. If you, if you can afford to to pay that much to get the child into your own country, why can't you support the family there to, to keep that child? So for me, um, keeping the child together with the family is the priority and adoption will be the last, last result. If there is no family there to look after the child or the, the family is really enable for example if there is stories of drug or violence in the family then maybe adoptions but that would be the last resort for me it's not it's not the first option that is available so when we talk about money and business and and very often you know it's 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 similar to charities in a way because a lot of charity a lot of the agencies are uh, charity and a lot of money you know circulating charity but it doesn't always go to the place that they're supposed to go yeah so my question is always what happened to all this money what is this money because again you know a child gets adopted but the family doesn't get any support even in terms of cultural support to to raise this child so why do you spend so much money and they don't even get the support that could help the child so there's a lot of question and so i think there's not enough transparency in the system to really understand what is going on but from yeah from my point of view if you are going to adopt there shouldn't be any exchange of money because you know in, if there's money exchange it's kind of trafficking a child the child is becoming an object that you're buying in a sense so for me that's a very difficult thing to understand and to accept right. um, i don't know i mean it's in the suppose every country have a different system for adoption as well yeah. because i think in the uk uh it, it comes from there's not as much i don't think there's as much international adoption so a lot of the adoption in the uk is full foster care system so the the child will come through foster care and then if the family are not able to to look after their children then they will find a permanent home for them uh in america i suppose it's very different way of doing it and there's a lot more foster care here too and um sometimes yeah people want uh, different type of children i guess so Mm. adopt internationally um like anything in life everybody has their own you know choices yeah and that is my question again you know there's so many children who might need a home in America. Why do we need to go to Africa to adopt a child? And I understand if you know if there's no children that need support in America. But and that's why you know I I think I done um, domestic adoption is easier for me to understand than international adoption. Uh, and I think and also I would say you know there's no education in Africa for family on the ground to also adopt because there is already this assumption that in Africa there's nobody who's wealthy enough to adopt a child. So that's why we have to, the West have to come in and get the children. But there is, you know, different type of people in Africa. There's wealthy people who can also adopt. So why can't we encourage people on the ground to also adopt children from Africa? Because that will stop the whole confusion about culture and the loss of culture and language and at least the 
child is still living in the same culture yeah. than why you as wise. I understand that. I, I get that actually. I understand that. So what advice would you give to parents that are looking to adopt children, let's say today? What advice would you give them? I would say, first of all, ask yourself why you want to adopt and also do the work on why you wanted to adopt because sometimes families adopt because of infertility yeah and they want a child so badly that they want to adopt and when the child arrives sometimes they manage to have their own children and then there's breakdown of that adoption it doesn't always happen but it does um so i would advise people to really think about what's are the reason why they're adopting is it specifically for your own needs or is it for the ch- child needs so making that separation and and really check yourself that you are prepared prepared to to adopt because if you're still having issue about your own fertility and that is going to impact the child that you're going to adopt i would say think twice or any other issue that you might have you know i i do talk to adoption agency and i always say you know i feel like parents who adopt should also go through therapy before adopting the child to make sure that there is no they've got no baggage that they're bringing that can impact the child because even me being adopted and raising my daughter i know that i've carried on some of my trauma into her so anybody who's raising a child can bring their own trauma into that child so for me that's when i ask parents to check themselves that there is nothing in their history that's going to be later on down the line that might impact that child so yeah understand why you're adopting and and be prepared but also i think be prepared before but also when the child arrives so if you are wanting to adopt a child from africa learn about that child culture surround yourself with people that that child can look up to that look like them don't just isolate them into your own culture the work need to be done before the adoption and during the child was going up uh, as well and have that continuous communication if that child be open to them because it's not an easy journey for them no uh, great advice great advice i really like what you even said about um adopting a child whether it's for you or for the child that's really powerful because sometimes we uh, for a lot of people that have uh, had the journey of infertility which i cannot speak for them completely it's just i guess you get to a certain point where you decide i want to adopt just so i can have a child maybe because of culture uh, the pressure from family and stuff but do you really want that child or is it for you and please everybody as to I, I we now have a child as we say because every family is different I remember when I first got married uh, my own mother was giving me pressure to have children so for a lot of Africans I'm sure you can all relate to this as to you gotta have a child you get married two days later you should be pregnant and you should have a whole bunch of kids <laughs> next to that but for, for a lot of parents that are thinking of adopting uh, listen to this advice which is uh, really um, powerful really powerful um, you're giving a lot of voices to your fellow um, adoptees what have you learned through this process listening to their stories what has your podcast given to you I think for me it's been really beautiful to see how, like I said earlier our stories are so different but at the same time there's commonality on the experience that we are going through and I think 
also seeing when people you know reach out to me and ask to be on the podcast has been really beautiful as well because suddenly they they people are feeling that they're being heard and seen mm. by sharing their stories so having and i think mine is because it's specifically for black adoptees there's um very sometimes it's difficult to to find that community of black adoptees you know there's a lot of asian adoptees out there and yeah. uh, a lot of south american uh, but i suppose with the the black community we might be quite dispersed at time so having a place where you can come together and you know listen to each other's story uh, has been really important for a lot of people and yeah i mean i'm still learning even though i've been going through my own adoption journey i'm lo- with each uh, podcast episode i'm learning so much because like i said the story are so different and people's experience you know i am every time i hear when there is a breakdown in the family uh, structure for adoption um, it's always break my heart because i'm like how can this happen you know if decided to adopt a child but yet you know no and that's the reason i say be prepared because you cannot give up on that child halfway through the process. And it happens a lot, unfortunately. You know, I've had people in my podcast who are by themselves now because they no longer have a relationship with their adoptive parents. And then they don't have a relationship with their birth family. So they are just left by themselves. I've had another um, lady who, um, who actually do quite a lot of work with a brother um, lost his life for addiction, for overdose, because he could never understand his own adoption journey and he struggled all his life with drug and drug was his way of coping. So, and the family, you know, where are the family when those things happen? You know, when the child is not feeling good in themselves, they, they're feeling lost. That is a time family need to be there for those children. And this is not the time to back up. And it's the same, you know, some families have breakdown as well when the child decides to go and find their own birth family. And then the family feel their insecurity that, you know, this child is abandoning them now because I've raised them all this time, but now the child is going to look for another family. So if you know that secure in yourself, that breakdown will happen. Again, there's other story where, you know, adoptees go and find a birth family and the mother doesn't want to acknowledge them. You know, there's so much uh, that I'm learning because for me, it's like, okay, you know, we portray adoption in a romantic way that, you know, we're providing a child with a house and a home and a loving family. But there's so much happening in that journey for each individual. And I knew from my own journey, it wasn't easy, but when I listened to every single stories, it's always there's something always like really find it difficult to understand how this happens, how how the system let people down in a way, um, because the whole idea is to help this child, but this child is now as an adult struggling. <laughs> and, yeah, so I am learning. I think people are learning as well, you know, and that's a good thing because, you know, even people, uh, like you mentioned, you know, if they've not been for adoption, I've got a lot of friends who didn't even know I was adopted because, again, that is one thing. We don't walk around in the street with this label, I am adopted. So 
a lot of people didn't even know was adopted until I started this podcast. And that's also creating a lot of uh, conversation again outside the adoption space, which has been also very nice because people that are not adopted also learning about that uh, space and that journey. So it's been, for me, it's been really positive in, in a lot of direction, both from the adoptees themselves, but also from people who have not been adopted, but also for parents who might want to adopt children of a different race by listening to the journey of ad- adult adoptees. They will learn a lot and that could support them in their own journey if they want to adopt. For sure, for sure. And uh, even for those that are early on into adoption, uh, they can also learn on how to navigate and um, uh, take care of their child. Mm. Yes, in a yes. way that's more supportive for the both of them. Um, I, you, you've shared a lot of insights. Um, <laughs> therapy is huge. Uh, I'm big on that. I think both um, the parents and the children should be going um, because we all have have our own baggages that we carry um the, it, it's really great insight as to what you've shared with us i appreciate you for being so honest and open with your story um anything else that you're working on that you would like for us to support you i know you are a part of a theater in your community um anything yes I'm, i mean yes I'm, i've got the whole creative side that you know i want to develop even more because I am focusing so much on the adoption space at the moment, but yeah, I've got the whole, uh, you know, my big dream is actually taking some young children to Africa on a, an educational trip at some point in, oh. in my life. So that's part of the, for the, for the platform of the arts. So that's why I did my, my whole exhibition around African queens. So I wanted to take those children to explore some of those um, heritage. Uh, but I'm also um, available. My kids are available. Yes. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. But I am also um, uh, organizing a retreat for Black women adoptees uh, next year. So I'm, I'm organizing one in Portugal, one in Morocco, and probably one in Senegal next year. Oh. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. And if you Why know those any... countries? Well, Portugal, because I am here at the moment and it's it's easy enough for me to organize um, uh, activities and, you know, I can I can navigate the space easy enough. Uh, Morocco, because I went last year and I, I, I found this, um, like a farm uh, run by this Moroccan family near Marrakesh that I really fell in love and I thought it would be a perfect space to, to bring people um, together yeah. in that space. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, ultimately my idea is to, to go to Africa to do this for Black ad- uh, adoptees. Uh, that's why I'm hoping by the end of next year I'll do one in Senegal. But I wanted to start those first two with places that have been first so which is yeah, for me as supposed to organize. Yeah. Um, but Yes, if you know any black women adopted out there, do share with them and I would love to have them uh, come. So it's a, it's a mixture of um, cultural exploration, but also exploring our adoption journey and self-development. Uh, so it's all yeah. just no, free. Once you have the link, I, I'll share 
um, mm-hmm. on our platforms and um, I also have your uh, contact info on how they can follow you on your social media as well uh, yeah. so this way Amazing. once the program is launched uh, everybody can you know sign up for the retreat that qualifies um, Amazing thank you Yeah I know this is exciting it's, it's exciting it's uh, really great work that you are doing and you're giving to so many people including some of us I, I, I'd love to learn and this is one particular area where I was like wow I didn't see this one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah no I didn't uh, uh, see this one so yeah like, and I think it's like anything else you know if you're not experiencing that why would you know because you know there's so many things in the world that we don't experience but we don't mm-hmm. know so it's by sharing stories that we all learn different way yeah a thousand percent a thousand percent um at this point in your life have you found your concrete pastures oh that's an interesting question i i think i'm still on my journey of trying to find it i think I've been going through different, again, um, navigating different space because like I, like you introduced me, I work in education, I work in fashion, yeah, yeah. I work in the heart space and the non-profit. And now I'm trying to do work in the adoption space. But I think ultimately what my concrete posture is about supporting other people and serving other people and helping them to get to a better place, to be a better person. So I think I'm starting doing it. I'm not totally there, but I would say I've, I've started that journey and I, I am happy how the journey has been. It's not always been easy. But I think that's a way you we grow as a person. You know, you have to go through the ups and downs of life and grow uh, to reach just concrete pasture. So I think I am heading there. I'm not totally nice. there, but I am. I've done some part of the journey. Nice, nice. Um, just from what you say just now, that you want to be in the adoption space. What type of work are you looking to do in that space? I mean, at the moment, for me, it's just providing a space for people to share their stories and for us to come together and share those stories. Um, I don't know where this is taking me because I actually never thought that I will be working in the adoption space. You know, if you asked me this 10 years ago, I would have said no, <laughs> no way. So I think for me, eventually is merging probably my creative um, practice yeah. Yes, with the the adoption space so um one of the things that i would like to explore is because i've done some short film on african histories maybe um you know like doing documentary about my own story going back to madagascar and documenting it nice. through a film and share that for other adopted to to see because maybe there is a lot of people out there who think about going back to their own country but not sure so uh, sharing that journey uh, is something that I would like to to document at some point. So maybe when I go in 2025, maybe I will go for film crew. Who knows? So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Crystal, this has been amazing. No, oh, thank you. It's been great speaking to you too. <laughs> thank you so so much. I appreciate you making time for us and for being so open with your story. It's been an honor. No, oh, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you, and thank you thank for you. providing the space for all of us. 
as well. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. That's it on today's episode. It's truly an honor to serve each and every dreamer. Concrete Fashions now provides targeted services to dreamers coming to the US of A. We assist you to successfully integrate. We are here to support you as you write your new chapter. Kindly check out our services in the link tree. Until next time, keep dreaming.